The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Previously on Soap Central Live. Hello? Liz, are you there? <laughs> oh, boy. It's 2011. Hello? And this is being crazy. Liz, are you there? Okay, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on with today's show. I don't like crazy soap opera people in general. Oh, my gosh, Nancy. You and I are not going to get along. Oh. You know on a soap when you get called into your executive producer's office, it's never good. Uh, apparently, after the debacle with some of our technical difficulties, my executive producer, John, is on the line, and he would like to talk a little bit about today's show. I'd like to say that we love the show so much, the network loves the show, and we know your fans certainly demonstrate that they love the show. We're extending it to pick up the show for another year if you'd like to come back. Will the phone lines cooperate this week? Find out when daytime legend Eileen Fulton and the bold and the beautiful's Robin Riker join me on Soap Central Live. What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm Dan Kroll, your host, and with apologies to P.T. Barnum, ringmaster for the greatest soap show on earth. I know that I said this last week, but I am so glad to be back here live, even when there are weird little computer gremlins causing me issues. I think it just adds to the excitement. Of course, I want to thank everybody who's tuning in to today's show, be it live or in the archives at SoapCentral.com slash radio. This is the second show of our second season, and as you heard last week and in the opening just a few seconds ago, Soap Central Live has been renewed through 2012. So that means that we have plenty of time to discuss anything and everything soap, and I say that we should get on with it right now. I've been wanting to have my first guest on Soap Central Live for almost a year now. Somehow we've always managed to just miss each other. For 50 years, daytime legend Eileen Fulton appeared as Lisa Miller, then Lisa Grimaldi, on As the World Turns. Since the show's cancellation, she's kept busy with a one-woman show and a new movie project. I'm pleased to say that she's finally here today to talk to us about all those things and more. Eileen, welcome to Soap Central Live. Well, hello, and I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're, you're here. Uh, it's funny, we had a little bit of technical glitches before the show again, so we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But let's rewind a little bit, Eileen. And it seems to me that at an early age, you knew that you wanted to be a performer. Is that true, or was there something else that maybe crossed your mind that you thought would be your career path? Oh, I've always wanted to be an actor or an opera singer or a singer. I've always wanted to have a stage. Hmm. So in all of that, when do you think it was that you finally became an actor, when you could say, I am an actor or actress? Um, well, the first time was when I was two, and uh, my father, my daddy was a preacher, 
and um, he was. Uh, they were doing Good Friday services, and I was did not like the hymn that they were singing, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. But these people need to be cheered up. So I got away from my mother, ran down to the altar and sang Shortening Bread, you know, just to liven up the crowd a little bit. Well, I was only Uh two. What did I know? (laughs) In church, okay. Yeah. So how did it come that you moved from... North Carolina to the big city, New York City. How did that come about? Well, we had lived up here. Uh, my father was in the Navy during World War II, and so we moved up here, and we lived on Staten Island. And I was just in love with Broadway and uh, the operas and the the plays, everything. So I was about 11, I guess, at that time. Why not? <laughs> That's what I've always wanted to do. I've always planned to come up here. And um, when our glee club in college, at Greensboro College, when they came up, we came up to do a concert, um, I made acquaintances again with some of my mother and father's friends, and they introduced me to Sandy Meisner at the Neighborhood Playhouse, and I was accepted up here to come to school. That's all I got here. So, how would you did... like to know where I lived? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the Alma Matthews Home for Immigrant Girls on West 11th Street. That's a mouthful. Uh, what was what I exactly? From the South. <laughs> I guess that counts, right? That's the yeah. same concept. <laughs> Worked for me. So, in all of that, North Carolina to Staten Island to the immigrant home on West 11th Street, I guess it was. Uh, how did the As the World Turns role come about for you? Um, I got an agent after I graduated, after I got out of the Neighborhood Playhouse, which is a two-year course. <clears throat> they gave us all kinds of uh, information about how to go about getting an, an uh, job or a, an agent, but... Um, it, that's about it. So I I just went down the list that was given to me from A to Z of all the agents. And I got down to the M's. I had to go in and take my pictures and everything. And I walked into uh, William Morris, which is a big agency. And they said, well, do you have an appointment? And I said, yeah, sure. They said, well, with whom? And I said, William Morris. And they said, well, good luck. He's been dead for 30 years. <laughs> and they... Uh, told, showed me the door. So right under William Morris was another uh, M, and that was Bill McCaffrey. So I walked over to his office, tried to get in, <laughs> and the door was propped up, and I heard him laughing on the other side of the door, and I just gave it a shove, and the door fell open because it was being repaired, and <laughs> I fell in on my butt. And he was sitting, just like you would imagine, an agent of a long time ago to be, with his feet propped up on the desk, a cigar in his mouth, and he said, who the hell are you? And I said, I'm a hell of an actress, and my name is Eileen Fulton. And he said, little girl, when they say you have to break down doors, they didn't mean literally. (laughs) And as luck would have it, he decided that I would be one of his clients. And he got a phone call about three weeks later. They wanted... um, Lois Smith, who's a wonderful actress, to come in and 
played this little part on a soap opera. They didn't think the part would last very long. But Lois was married, and she was going to have a baby and was not available. He said, but let me send you up, Eileen Fulton. And I went up along with 200 other girls. I just knew I was going to get the part. Do you think that wishful, that being confident in yourself is a very big key to being successful? It, it is A number one, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, we were talking behind the scenes about this being live radio, but for a lot of folks who watch Soaps today may not remember or may not know that Soaps actually aired live for a period of time. I'd imagine with all the stuff that goes on on Soaps, it must be an added pressure having to act live like that or having to have acted live like that. Oh, it was horrible, but it's one way to keep your weight down. <laughs> I guess I don't have to worry about that on the radio. <laughs> Nobody knows. Well, you're alive. <laughs> oh, well, That's you know, it's the same thing. It's just the fear of the whole thing. It's just ghastly. Secretly here, I eat behind the scenes. Don't tell anybody, though. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know, I wouldn't dare to ask you to pick a favorite memory or storyline from As the World Turns, but is there any story or memory that you have that you haven't often had the opportunity to talk about? I don't know. Let me see. Well, I love the very first storyline I have, which was being a lying, scheming, and she wasn't supposed to be. Lisa was not supposed to be. I was supposed to be sweet and nice. And um, I didn't want to play something so close to myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to act. So I just thought bad thoughts about poor old Bob, and um, it caught on, and I hope I'm all right with my language. You don't believe for me, do you? Uh, I don't think so. We've never had to ask. We've never had anybody got, ask that. After my first day on the soap, which was live, they got a telegram that said, if that bitch Lisa marries Sweet Bob, we will never watch again. And that was the beginning of my character. Indeed it was. Uh, wow. I'm surprised that that was language that was used you wouldn't think we think now on the internet everybody uses whatever words they want that seems awfully strong for the time it was very strong um yes and we had to we couldn't say gosh and golly uh when i first came on the show we had to be very careful i couldn't even say the word pregnant though i was married uh, Lisa was married to Bob, and I had all these pillows stuffed in the front of me, and I was talking to his mother, Nancy, uh, in the kitchen, and my line was, now that I'm carrying Bob's child, I can't do whatever it was. And I thought, I wouldn't say that to my mother-in-law over a cup of coffee. I'd say, now that I'm pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And they said, you say pregnant, and you'll go right, you'll put us off the air. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I thought, well, that's how we got here. I mean, please. <laughs> so they came down and watched, ready to just grab a hook and grab me off the set. But I just simply, when I got to that line, I just simply looked at Nancy and I said, well, now that I'm like this, and I gave my big fat tummy a pat, and we went on with it. 
I guess a lot has changed since the first oh, days of soap, certainly. It certainly has. And one of the things that I've heard from soap fans is that they often feel as though the people in charge of the soaps, whether it be the network executives or the writers or the producers, they feel that they're not being listened to. Uh, yeah, do you think that that's a fair assessment of what fans are, are I feeling? And feel is it true? That, that is true. Yes, I, I think that's true because uh, when they started bringing in the focus groups, uh, then they said, "Oh, well, this is what they want. Let's give them this." If you give everybody exactly what they want. They're going to lose interest. You don't pay attention like that. That is, I mean, you don't pay attention to focus groups. That's not really what I, my personal life, call it. But I think that that is a very bad thing. And I think the important thing is to remember that the writer, the writers are supposed to be uh, creative and uh, artistic. And you cannot put a rein on that. You have to allow the writers to create the stories they want to do. <clears throat> and when you start saying, well, you can't have that one because we need a hot, sexy fella coming in. I mean, that's just... <sighs> well, I think that's what's killing the soaps, actually. I, I honestly understand your frustration, and I can, I can hear it. It seems where you were talking that before something as simple as the word pregnant was taboo, it seems now that any soap characters over, say, 50 having a meaningful storyline is the new taboo in 2011. Why is yeah, that? Yeah, that's just so silly. <laughs> uh, you know, why is it? I would certainly think that if there's a storyline that involves someone that could be, say, my grandmother or grandfather, I would want to see them happy. I would want to see them have love. I would want to see them live their life. Yes, but I guess they would say that's not, um, that doesn't pique one's interest. However, your grandmother, grandfather, the older people in your, in your family could have romance. They could fall in love with the wrong person. They could yes. be taken for their money. They could be sick. They could do anything. We are all human beings, and it's about life. Life includes very young, from the time they're born or whenever, to it, life is life. And I just think you have to have a good imagination to be able to write this stuff and not be dictated to. I've noticed in uh, reading up on you, there is certainly so much that shows your creativity. Of course, being a performer, being a writer. Is it a fair assessment to say that you like to keep busy? I have to keep busy? Is that a, would it be safe to assume that it seems that you're always sort of up to something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, when, I, when I began to realize that Lisa wasn't that important to the, the writers and CBS, uh, I started to write uh, my own books and putting together my club work, and I did a lot of movies, uh, independent films. And there's a new film project, as I teased in the opener. You recently started or finished working on a movie project. Would you care to maybe spill the details of what it's all about? Um, I don't know this movie too well. It's called Life Zone, and it's, um, it was a lot of fun. The only thing is we had to go back to Brooklyn. Now, our studio, our as a world turn studio, was in Brooklyn. 
that was a long drive from mid-Manhattan to get there. It was very mm-hmm. tiresome. And when I got this part in this little movie by um, Ken Del Vecchio, is the producer, uh, I said, well, great, where is it going to be filmed? And he said, in Brooklyn. I thought I was going to have an attack, but it was fine. <laughs> it was just across the bridge. Um, it is a very serious subject. It was dealing with uh, abortion. Okay. And it has pros and cons all the way throughout. And I am the mother of a woman who is a doctor who is who can't have children. Hmm. And uh, I make her feel really guilty <laughs> for not having kids. I don't know. It's a, it's a complicated story, but it actually takes both sides of the coin. I think that goes back to, again, what you were saying about the soaps needing to tell their stories and allow people to live their lives on screen in a way that gets people sort of talking. Right. Right. And I like all different kind of characters. I just a few years ago did a movie down in uh, Costa Rica where I played a lesbian. She was a real stomper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's sort of a, I guess that takes you the whole gamut from uh, Lisa to stomper. <laughs> Lisa Telespo, that's me. All right. I'm not quite sure how this is going to work as a segue, but we'll go for it. Okay. Uh, give it a we, try. I'll give it a try. Uh, when I wanted to have you on last, it would have been our last live show of the year back in December, you were just about getting ready to go on and perform your holiday cabaret show. Now, because there are people who live all across the country, of course, it isn't always possible for someone to get to New York to see you perform live. So can you give us a little bit about what it was that they missed during this holiday show. You mean this last show I did? Absolutely. Uh, December 17th, I think it was. I I adore having a live audience because um, it, it's just great fun. And it's like having a lover. You don't know exactly how it's going to go. I mean, you have a plan, but uh, the audience is your other partner in... I really like that. My name of this show was I Remember, or at least I Try, and that's a take from taken from uh, Sondheim's uh, I Remember Sky. I remember, you know, and so we started out that way. Hmm. I told some funny stories, and I have also, uh, I'm working to do this on the road everywhere, um, either as lectures. Or I think that's so stuffy, don't you, lectures? No, it's talking to a group of people with right. all these pictures in the background from As the World Turns and from my oh. life and telling about it and also singing. I've got songs that uh, go with different things, such as, well, Stormy Weather is something I did I really like. <laughs> we don't exactly bring in a storm cloud, but... <laughs> That maybe we'll uh, we could work on that. We'll okay. do that for for a very special occasion. Uh, <laughs> we actually just received an email from Joey who wants to, you to answer the following question. All right. Okay. Uh, w- I missed your cabaret show in New York in December. Will you be doing any performances in the near future? Uh, here, the answer to that is probably a yes. Yes, indeed, Joey. I'll be down at. Um where am I going to go? I'm going down to New Hope 
in um, Pennsylvania. I'll be there April the 17th. That is a Sunday matinee, a 3 o'clock matinee. Um, I will have the pictures, I will have stories, and I have some really, really good music. That sounds like a can't miss. It is a can't miss. And I'm also planning to go out to California with this, different places there and in the Midwest, uh, wherever. I enjoy doing this. It's fun. And believe me, I have some pretty gowns. Oh, okay. <laughs> or pantsuits, if you prefer. Hey, it's, you know, that way you've got everybody covered. If they like dresses, you've got dresses. If you like pantsuits, right. you I like pantsuits. Pants then I can wear flats. It's my feet hurt. I just broke my toe yesterday. I thought what? I just might throw this in. Oh, I stumped over a pocketbook or something. Well, you had said that you were a stomper in a movie. Apparently, you're stomping in real life, too. Are you okay? I'm fine, but it doesn't feel very good. You know, when you break your little toe, you can't put it in a sling. I've only ever broken one bone, and unfortunately, it was my middle finger. Oh, and no. Every time I would go to the doctor, they would want to say, hey, can you show us which finger is hurting you? And, you know, that wasn't necessarily the... Wasn't necessarily the best finger to have to show. I know. Well, you could say it's not the thumb and it's not the forefinger, but it's the next one. See, or I, it's I not would... the little finger or the ring finger, but it's the next one. <laughs> you know, you never know what's going to happen. One of the things that, speaking of not knowing what's going to happen, fans can keep up with what is next for you in a whole bunch of different ways. You have an official website. It's EileenFultonOnline.com. And they can even like you on Facebook. Yes, indeed. I'd love that. It's a whole lot of high-tech stuff going on here. I can't keep up with it all, but I try. But not the Twitter. We're, we Twitter is, is crazy, but if, just to make sure, there's no Twitter account for Eileen Fulton, correct? No, I don't think so. Not that I know of. Okay. No, I uh, think it's just Facebook. Facebook is a lot easier. Twitter gets to be very confusing, and you have I to squish all your thoughts into little tiny abbreviations. Oh, no, I, I don't want that. Now, you can always catch it on YouTube, <laughs> some stuff. We are, uh, we're almost out of time here on this segment. Well, you, and I, you told me it was going to go fast. I, see, I don't like to lie to my guests because then they won't come back. So <laughs> in the maybe two minutes or so that we have left, is there anything that we haven't talked about that maybe you'd like to, to bring up and we can, or maybe even a message to your fans out there who are tuning in to hear you? Oh, I just loved everybody, and I just thank them for all the wonderful years of their writing. And I, I'm sorry that a lot of people didn't listen. That's that's what I want to say. Well, certainly a lot of people are. Yeah, uh, I think definitely everybody knows that, especially now when they go to tune in to see their online or on-screen families, and they see, you know, a bunch of people. Yacking. It's it's sad because people need a good soap opera. Like I need a good book. I love to read, and it just takes your mind off some stuff. And it's it's kind of your time, just your little special time. Everyone needs that. Well, I want to thank you for spending your time and making this a very special time by dropping by Soap Central Live, Eileen. It has been an absolute. Pleasure to talk to you. Oh, wonderful talking with you. 
And hopefully, uh, maybe we can have you back uh, to promote some of your cabaret appearances. I would love to. Don't forget. Oh, no one can forget Eileen Fulton. Everybody, stay tuned for more of Soap Central Live after the break. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787.com. are tuned in today with Soap Central Live, starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? Please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. Wasn't that last half hour with Eileen Fulton amazing? Uh, we're certainly going to do our best to have her back on the show again. Uh, time ran out, and I know there were a lot of you who wanted to call in and talk to her. 
But I think now, everybody from listening to the show, it sort of goes without saying that my journey to the world of soaps was unexpected, to say the least. That is one of the reasons that I love asking my guests how they became actors. There's always a possibility for an unexpected answer that will have us talking for weeks and weeks to come. Now, my next guest has a story that I find absolutely amazing, and I can't wait for her to talk about it with us. To soap fans, Robin Riker is known as Beth Logan on The Bold and the Beautiful. But she's appeared in a host of movie and TV projects, as well as the stage play Cannibals. She's here today to talk about her desire to see that play make the leap from YouTube to something much bigger. Robin, welcome to Soap Central Live. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. I don't want to wait too long because, to me, the story is really a lot of fun to read. and I want to actually hear it come from you. But you have this sort of storybook tale about how you were discovered and how you actually landed your first professional acting gig. Would you mind sharing it with everybody? No, I'd love to. I, um, I had decided, I, my, both my parents were actors in the theater, but no one ever makes, well, they made a living, but, you know, barely. Theater is not the glamorous side of show business. Hollywood is. But I grew up on the stage and had always decided that's what I wanted to do. So when I, just, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was about 17 years old, and I came with $45 in cash and a couple of negatives for headshots to be printed up. And I had a place to stay with a girlfriend, and uh, so I slept at her place for a while. And then I got a job at a hamburger stand on the corner of Sunset and Vine. Now, okay. I could do 20 minutes on what a dive it was, and you would still be surprised when you walked in. <laughs> but it was, but a lot of people went there, a lot of the local television um, producers uh, from uh, right across the street, CBS. Oh, funny, CBS, and I ended up on Bold and Beautiful many years later. Um, and uh, music industry people and all that would come there for the great burgers and food. And so um, the, the cook at the hamburger stand took a liking to me, and, um, and so did some of the customers. And one of the customers was a producer for a local television show in Southern California called It Takes All Kinds. And he wanted to do a story about an aspiring actor who had come to Hollywood. And since I knew something about the business and and what theater, you know, and all of that, I didn't want him to make it me seem like some starry-eyed idiot that I came to Sunset and Vine to be discovered. So he did a really nice job with my piece. And so about two months after arriving, I had the most impo- one of the most important things that an actor in this town can have, and that's ten minutes of film, you know, which is very hard to get. And, right. But but it was you know it's just sort of the, the local TV magazine show film, not a, a theatrical piece. Well, the cook at the hamburger stand, Larry, God bless him, sold the hamburger stand and went to work at the commissary at Warner Brothers, and he took with him a, some of my headshots and a few of his favorite spatulas, and uh, <laughs> he, he started handing the headshots out to people in line, saying she's an actress, she's fabulous. Well, I don't know where he got that idea. He'd never seen me perform anything other than the act of making change. <laughs> okay. you know, so, but he was on my side. And damn, if he didn't hand out the picture to a producer of a television show who decided they wanted to have me in to read for a part. And, uh, and at that time, I had moved next door because the hamburger stand had been sold, and so now I was waiting, doing cocktails, you know, at, at a bar right next door, a big place called Simply Blues, again, corner of Sunset and Vine. And I get a call saying that from this man, whose name I didn't recognize, 
And uh, he had called about three times before, but this was back in the day when we had answering services, and I wasn't. Sometimes I didn't want to ever hurt any guy's feelings, so sometimes I would give them my answering service number instead of my home number if they wanted to go out with me. So I didn't return the call the first couple of times because I thought, oh God. And then he said, all right, this is Roe Wallerstein. I've you know I've left a couple of messages for you. If you don't get over here now. It's uh, the train will have left the station. So I said to my boss, it's right over the hill. It's just Warner Brothers. The rush hasn't started yet. I can go over. I'll do the audition. I'll be back before anybody gets here. And he said, if you leave this place, you don't have a job. So I, I handed my boss my tray and my apron, and I drove over the hill to Warner Brothers, and I walked into the office, and I did the audition. And the part that I was auditioning for had so few lines that I had to read another character's lines. <laughs> What? And um, but I got the job, so I got my first uh, television job op- with a week's work on a national television show opposite the star of the show, um, and uh, I all from Larry, the cook at the hamburger stand. Who, instead of asking if you wanted a side of fries, he said, "Would you like to see a picture of this woman named Robin Riker?" That's kind of <laughs> yes, amazing. She's fabulous. He said. <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff that I like. I like to hear these things that work out in magical, mystical ways for whatever reason. Well, now, me too. And, you know, actually, we didn't, we didn't talk about this before, but I'm just finishing a book. I'm writing a book now about that very attitude uh, about it's called A Survivor's Guide to Hollywood. And it's about keeping yourself open for that sort of magic and, and possibility, you know, and how you can maintain your your sanity and your uh, uh, some peace of mind in this town that really doesn't give a damn about you, you know. So you have to care more about yourself. And I think that's got to be hard, particularly when you hear no probably more often than you hear yes. Oh, yeah. You know, I think actors are some of the bravest and, and most noble uh, people around because you you are rejected on so many levels all the time and it just has to you just has to roll off your back in the course of my career i have been told i was too tall too short too fat too thin too pretty not pretty enough too old and too young well they can't all be true how do you bounce back how do you get to that point where you can say it's just the job it's just the thing they you know they say what they have to say well that's you know that's what partly what my book is about it's about making sure that you have a, a good grounding you know that you know what's really important because this town tends to make people feel that um they're not quite good enough on so many levels you're not carrying the right handbag you're not driving the right car you're not at the best table in the restaurant all of these things that don't make any difference in the real scheme of the world it's who are your friends? Who supports you? Who is kind to you? Who are you kind to? Do you take the time to be kind? Um, you know, it's all those things that really, that you have to be grounded. You have to, to know that um, it's all a crapshoot. Some people, it's not, a lot of people, there are a lot of incredibly talented people out here who don't work in the business. And there are many people in the business who I think are not talented as actors at all. And yet they're in the loop and so they stay in the loop. They keep getting used over and over again, you know. It's just a machine, and that's what you have to realize, is that, that this town is a machine, and it, it needs food. <laughs> and and <laughs> the creative people are the food, you know. 
That's a very interesting analogy. I love weird analogies. One of the questions that just sort of came to me when the internet gremlins were trying to eat me. Yeah. Uh, was, you know, so many people have this fantasy, this vision of they go to Los Angeles with a dollar fifty in their pocket. They end up waiting tables or something and they become, you know, Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. Right. And I have someone here who that sort of happened to, but how realistic is that for someone to really have that? Or is it a case of if you believe it can happen, it will? I think belief is a huge part of it, but what I think is the most important part is that if you want to be an actor, actors act. It doesn't mean, you know, everybody wants to be a star these days. You know, yes. no one wants to do the work. I mean, I, I'm making a broad generalization. I apologize for that, but I think you understand what I mean. People Absolutely. want to be plucked out of the crowd and be Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie suddenly. And there's a lot of work that's involved in that. There's dedication. There's a bit of dues paying and certainly learning your craft. And those are, those are the things that really matter. And if you are an actor, you will do those things. You will work in theater for 12 bucks a show. You will, you will um, take classes but not become devoted to your teacher. You know, you'll, have, you'll be able to keep your independence. I mean, it does happen. Uh, Haley Joel Osment, who, who played my son in a series I did on ABC called Thunder Alley. Ed Asner played my dad, and Haley was my son. And Haley's father had come out here from Tennessee, I believe it was Tennessee, with the family, and he's a wonderful actor, Haley's dad. And while they were shopping at Ikea one day, some agent saw darling little Haley at five years old and said, does he have an agent? Wow. Yeah. And um, so it happens. I mean, I think it happens more often, those amazing things, you know, uh, for, for younger kids or for the you know, the va-va-voom gorgeous, you know, 20-year-old males or females. But that's the thing where you have to keep in mind that this is a machine. And they want to make you a star because you will make them money. Not because they care about you and your craft, (laughs) you know. That's a really good point. You know, I mean, look at poor Lindsay Lohan. You know, she, she is a talented actress. She's one of the ones I think has talent. And yet she has just squandered it and who knows why exactly maybe you know she didn't have the kind of support or grounding that she needed from her family or whatever but certainly the friends that hung out with her were kind of basking in her glory and not saying hey Lindsay, slow down there a little bit you know you're headed for a bridge and it's out i think it's really important and you make an excellent point with that is you really have to surround yourself with people who you would want to be surrounded with who have that same positive energy you can't you know you don't want to have people bringing you down and i guess you know you don't want to be somebody who brings someone else down either no and and it that's critical and you know what Dan? i think it's true whether you want to be a a plumber or an academician or a school bus driver or whatever it is you do you need to have people around you who say um... your dreams are possible. You could be the one to be the bus driver of the year, the plumber of, you know, the gold star plumber or the, or the actor who gets to work. And you know, the best, to me, the, the most, the real measure of success is do you get to do what you want to do, what you long to do as your craft? 
you know? You just said what is in my head so much better than it appears in my head. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It is so important to, one, you have to really enjoy what you're doing, but you know, you're absolutely right. You have to find that in whatever it is you choose to do. Right. You know, being a movie star is no more noble than so many other things. You could no, be, look at teachers. It, we, you know, people don't right. give teachers the credit. They don't give, you know, firefighters, policemen, or armed service people. They don't seem to get the credit as, you know, the, the star football player. Exactly. I mean, those are the people who are really putting their lives on the line. Not Angelina Jolie in salt doing her own stunts, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, these are the guys, and we, need, we get out of whack in our society, you know, uh, uh, as you just said, you know, honoring those who, who ha- have the most shine to them as opposed to those who have the most uh, uh, weight. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And uh, I think we need to all realize that, that we're all in this together. You know, we need entertainers. I want people to make me laugh. I want people to make me cry. I want somebody to fix my sink. I want somebody to, know, <laughs> to, to sell me vegetables, you know. We don't do anything without each other. And I think that's one of the things that really gave me a good grounding uh, in the business is that coming from the theater where really you don't make a great deal of money. You know, you really don't make money. You, right. you, uh, you get by, but it's a team effort. Everybody, you know, in the theater, you can get almost any actor to do anything for a nice glass of wine and a bowl of chili after rehearsal, you know what I mean? And the camaraderie of being together and of saying, man, I love the way you delivered that liner. In this moment here, what if we tried this the next right. time? You know, it's a creative thrill. And, and to be in the company of people who are making something happen, it's, it's a huge reward, and I knew that, you know, the people who build the sets and the people who bring the treats and all are just as important as the executive producer, you know? I think we will have to talk more later in private about this glass of wine and bowl of chili. I think I do this show for less than that, but we have <laughs> someone else who wants to be part of the team. We have a caller for you. It oh, is Pam from New York. Pam, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi, Dan. Hi, Robin. How are you both? Wonderful, Pam. Hi. Happy Robin, New Year. You are missed so much on the bold and beautiful. Oh, thank you. That's nice to hear. If another, would you, if another soap asked you to be on a soap, which one would you like to be on? Oh. Golly, ooh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I think it would be more a question of what role would I be asked to play. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the, um, the very first time I ever did a soap opera, it was uh, uh, Days of Our Lives, and I had just done a play in pa- at the Pasadena Playhouse, and the casting person had seen me there and asked me if I asked my manager if I want, would be interested in it. And I said, well, if it's an interesting character, if it's like a homeless woman who lives under a bridge, and there was a big pause, and my manager said, it's a homeless woman who lives under a bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's much more... The um, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to evade your question. It's just, it's honestly, who would they want me to play? <laughs> that's, that's what would energize me, whatever the soap was. I think on the bold beautifully, they killed Beth off too soon. I agree with you, Pam. They I should have made. I mean, there's a lot of us on you know Facebook that talk about it. You know, it seemed like you know you just had the sickness. Beth had just got the sickness, and then boom, they're writing her off. Yeah. I know. I thought that, especially with the number of families in this country who are facing this terrible disease, Alzheimer's, yes. um, it, it could have been, play- I think the storyline could have 
been extended a lot longer and have uh, have touched a lot of people because mm-hmm. it's a terrible lonely thing and um it's it's touching more and more lives i think brad likes to, brad bell likes to do stories that have some relevance and i think he just kind of sped through this one well thank you pam for calling in i appreciate that question that was a really good question thank you thank now you. i i want to before we end up running out of time because i just looked at the clock and we're tick 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 there is a well, let me first start with cannibals. For me, the name at first conjured up images of a horror film or of the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where Bugs was always in the big cauldron and they were trying to cook <laughs> him and eat him. Right. Uh, and I found that neither one of those apply <laughs> to what cannibals was really about. So why don't you give us a little bit about what is cannibals? Well, cannibals is, is more like uh, Bugs Bunny being eaten alive than you think. <laughs> because... <laughs> It ref- the, the subtitle of ha- Cannibals is, in Hollywood, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> and it could also be a horror film. <laughs> it is, kind of. I mean, it's, a, it's about a, a, a group of uh, 40-something actresses who are having a harder time getting work than they would like to, and they have to go up against really already established stars for smaller and smaller parts. And um, in comes Donna Hightower, who is the character that I'm putting forth on YouTube right now, who is kind of the Hollywood diva who tells you, who sort of lifts Hollywood skirts and says, you know, this is not what you think it is. This is cutthroat, and everybody's out to get everybody else, and they'll do it as they smile at you, you know? And there's a line. It's something like, what is Hollywood? Holly is a bush. It has no woods. So right off the bat, Hollywood is a lie. Exactly. But but a sexy lie. Right. And uh, it, it makes you want it, you know. It just everything you know about Hollywood makes you want it. But uh, it's it's not it isn't what you think. It's not at all what you think. And then subsequently, I've just posted this first one. I just posted it a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact. So I'm delighted that we had a chance to talk about it. And it's um, a Hollywood minute with Donna Hightower. You have to type all that in uh, for the search. And unless you want to put a link up on your on your uh, site there, Dan. There's but, one. There's one definitely there already, but oh, and we'll make sure they know how to find it. Oh, lovely! And uh, and then so it's begun with a. The, I open with the first monologue of the play, and then I have written a sort of a, a fictitious interview between Donna and a uh, an entertainment reporter to kind of give you an idea of where we're going with the concept. But subsequently, in the next weeks, I'm going to be putting up several more of her monologues. And I'm hoping that that will intrigue some people and uh, that maybe we can get it another life, you know, on the stage because it's very funny. And my desire is that, you know, New York always thinks that, how, that L.A. Is, it has superficial theater but, and that L.A. itself is superficial. So I thought this play would be popular in New York because <laughs> the play is saying to them, you know what, you're right. <laughs> It kind of does. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, there's I mean, there's certainly a lot of fun jabs that go in and back and forth in the dialogue. Right. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Does it surprise you what power the Internet has had in creating stars? I think uh, Justin Bieber was found by Usher on, on YouTube and CBS made the whole bleep my dad says from a Twitter account. I know. I know. That's exactly what gave me the idea, Dan, is that so much has come from this. It's a very fertile ground, and, and, you know, unfortunately, I mean, maybe more will happen for him, but, you know, the, the, that golden-voiced uh, uh, reporter yeah. who had all those hits on YouTube is, you know, 
it's been a little harder for him to accept all this newfound attention. So he's, I think he just entered rehab or something again. But I wish him all the best in the world. But yes, I am amazed at the power of the internet. That it's just, it's, it's a wonderful thing in so many ways, and that it can connect us all and and give us information and all of that. Um, the the one part of it that I worry about sometimes is that it can also isolate people. Do you know what I mean? Instead of having a conversation, even though we're doing this right now and people can hear us, it's it, it, we at least we're humans talking to each other. We're not typing on yeah. a page, you know. But there is something to be said for sort of a tactile to being able to reach out and touch somebody who's literally you know in front of you and to have that personal interaction and see expressions and. Oh uh, yes. I mean, and I that, think a lot of that we miss. That absolutely is. And it tells you, you get all these cues, you know, that you don't always get from the typewritten word. And that's one of the reasons I love theater so much is because it's, it's a living thing, just like when the gremlins tried to eat you a little while ago, <laughs> um, that things happen in the theater and you have to adapt. You have to think on your feet. You have to be ready to go. And at the same time, you can really feel the impact that you're having on the living human beings that are sitting out there in the dark. It's great. And now we mentioned, uh, the caller mentioned that you have a Facebook page. Uh, do you also have Twitter, or is it just Facebook alone? No, I am what they call a Luddite, which is someone who is only now really finding out about all the technology. I'm, I'm putting up a fan page on Facebook soon. I do have uh, a website that people can go to see. Right now it's in the beginning stages, but they can see a... Uh, uh, you know, sort of a five-minute clip of a bunch of different shows that I've done, and we're expanding that. And that's just robinriker.com. And um, and I don't Twitter. And uh, I find that there's, I, as I said, I'm writing this book called A Survivor's Guide to Hollywood. Um, and um, so I, I, if I get too, I love to write. So if I get caught up in the internet or the or on Facebook or anything, I just hours are sucked out of my eyeballs, you know. And Tell you me to, about it. I, <laughs> I just need to discipline myself. So if I'm going to sit and write, I need to do the work I need to do rather than, than play sometimes, you know. Well, how about this? I can't believe that first we're out of time almost here, but I want to extend an invitation to you to come back and either update us on how the Cannibals Project and the process is going, or certainly as the book comes closer to maybe being done, to come back and talk about the book. Would you be oh. willing to come back and chat oh, with again, us? Oh, again, I would love to. This has been like we just had a cocktail party on the radio. I love it. See, that that's what I like the show to be. Now, like I said, we unfortunately are out of time, so I want to thank everyone for listening, and of course, a very special thank you this week to my guest, Eileen Fulton, and of course to you, Robin Riker. Thank you for very much. For more information about anything that we've talked about on today's show, including links to Robin's Cannibals video on YouTube and to Eileen's official website, please look for the Soap Central Live information box on the newly redesigned SoapCentral.com front page. And if you've missed any part of today's show or just want to hear me getting eaten by Internet Gremlins again, head on over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. There you'll have all sorts of listening options for this and every other edition of Soap Central Live. I'll, of course, be back here next week. Remember to keep up with your favorite soaps, news, recaps, and scoops over on SoapCentral.com. And until then, I'm Dan Kroll signing off on another edition of Soap Central Live.
Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll be right back.